Welcome back to They Talk Sex Podcast. I'm your host, L Stanger. Find me, lstanger.com. And if you can find me on Twitter slash X, can't believe I'm calling it that now. I fucking hate you, Elon Musk. At L Stanger on there. This is the Ask Us Anything Sex Educator Edition. My guest is Ashley Cobb. I found her on Instagram, Sex with Ashley, and you can email her, Ashley at sexwithashley.com. Hello. Hi, how are you? I'm doing great. I'm all the way over in Portland, Oregon. Whereabouts are you located, if I can ask? I live in Atlanta, Georgia. I want to go there someday. I know I need to go there someday and see the sights because I know it's so much different from Portland strip clubs, which is all I know. How long have you been doing sex ed over there? I've been doing sex ed since 2015. Okay. I found you on Instagram two years ago. And can I tell you, you might remember this one. So the question was, what do I do when my man wants me to use a sex toy? And your answer was, use it. Oh, you were like, <laughs> I can't remember. What was it? <laughs> you were like, use it. You use it because we always complain about men don't know how to ask for things. If he's showing you what he likes, use it. Correct. And I was like, amazing. Who is this lady? So I've been following you. Thank you so much for being here now. Can you tell me a little bit about yourself and your sex educator journey? Okay. Um, so I am a sex educator. I am. So I started, I went to school for public, public health. My background's in public health. Um, and I started doing sexual health education. Um, after that, um, I've done, I went through like a certification class for human sexuality. So I'm legit certified. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I, I, uh, so I, I've done almost everything there is to do. I feel like in the sexual ed space, except an only fans. Um, I used to sell toys for pure romance at one point in time. I used to have like a, a blow job. I used to do blow job classes. Amazing. Um, I now, uh, sort of kind of, I write for publications now. I, I I pretty much do a lot of things. I'm also a big advocate for HIV and PrEP. Um, so I, I do all the things or have done all the things previously. Yeah, you're busy. So what are some identities that you strongly relate to as a person? So I, I call myself pretty much I am um, hetero flexible, um, meaning like I pretty much date the opposite gender men pretty much or or um I, I date men um i can i'm sexually attracted to like both male and female um depending on depending on situation i typically i date men um i typically date um black men uh it's just a preference um although mm-hmm. i did briefly um chit chat i guess you can say with this very, <laughs> very cute white gentleman a couple of months ago um, i <laughs> i can tell you you're i mean you know like it's a spectrum we have options but there's there's a lot of white dudes out there so you know you're probably not missing anything there <laughs> it is, it is it, i i i like gingers i like those those are, those are my favorites I, gingers Yes, they're so cute. Oh my god! You know that's great. I have a couple. I have a my ginger man right now. I tell him he's an angry ginger. Um, and then I had an angry ginger ex from Texas. Uh, lovely man, nature photographer. But uh, 
He actually got picked on a lot. So I'm going to tell him, I'll be like, you know, some women actually prefer gingers. He'll be like, no fucking way. <laughs> yeah. Like, I, it's just something, of, I guess, it's the um, uniqueness of them, you know? Yeah. Um, yeah. I think they're, I think gingers and women too, I think they're very pretty and sexy. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Oh, lovely. So mm-hmm. I think I got that from watching your social media and the stuff you talk about that you're hetero romantic, like relationship, date men, yeah. but like you probably have had maybe like a sexual experience with a woman or a woman adjacent? Um, I have not actually. Um, I, I've had women actually hit on me in the past I, in college. And then recently I had a situation where this couple wanted to um, like have me as their unicorn. And oh. we got, when we kind of like talked about it, we, we got to the talking stages, but mm-hmm. it never got all the way. Mm-hmm. So I'm open to the experiences. But like, yeah. Yeah, fun. I don't know if you noticed, but when I was growing up, like any of the sex ed that I watched from any of the figureheads that were talking about it. So like Dr. Drew, um, I mean, let's just say him. He never talked about his own sex life. And I was always curious. I was like, you have all these clinical answers, but I actually like hearing from experts where they can reference their own sex lives to give some kind of context when it's appropriate. Right. So, okay. So what services do you offer? You told a bunch earlier, actually. Uh, What are you working on now? So I'm not, I am one of those sex educators who doesn't really offer services (laughs) in workshops. I know that a lot of people do. They have worked out the services. That's not really what I do. Mostly, I I write about sex for publications. Um, I do presentations at colleges um, and with adults um, surrounding like safe sex or prep. But mainly, mm-hmm. yeah, I don't I don't really have workshops. I'm I try again. I had workshops at one point in time. It just wasn't for me. So I kind of just I found something else that worked for me. And for me, mm-hmm. like the writing aspect more so and the communicating and the, you know, Instagram, giving giving people advice on different things works for me more so than having like workshops and all these things. Did Temptation Resort happen already? So no. So I am taking, I take women on um, sensual, uh, not retreat, sensual experiences. Uh, so we're going to Temptation Resorts, which is in Cancun, in mm. November. November, uh, we're going Veterans Day weekend. Mm. And so nice. the whole purpose of the, is that is I know a lot of people who would like to explore or would like to try something different or try something fun, but don't necessarily have people to go with. Mm. I, I would totally. Yeah, that looks so great. I hope you have the best time. Yeah, so that's what we're doing because um, I used to take people to I, – I go to swinger clubs. I go, I go less often now than I did uh, pre-COVID. Mm-hmm. But before COVID when I was going, I used to, like, host these nights where I was like, oh, it's going to be a, a single women's night. Come, come meet me at the, at the swinger club. And so mm-hmm. I did that mainly because I, what I found out was there was a lot of people who were interested and like, I'm interested. I'm kind of want to see, but they were nervous to go alone or didn't have friends who were really like wanting to go. So I'm like, okay, you know me, sort of, kind of, mm-hmm. I'm, um, I'm, I'm, I can be your, you know, your, your safety net, you know, and so mm, let's anchor. Yes. Anchor. So let's go. So that's pretty much what we're doing with, 
uh, Temptation Resort. And next year we're going to do a couple other places. But that's what it is. People who kind of want to go and explore and don't necessarily maybe not have the social group who wants to go with them. Mm, that sounds so fun. Oh, my God. I want to. Yeah, I really want to start getting out more. And mm-hmm. um, luckily, we're still young enough. We still have time. Can I ask your approximate age? I'm 38. 38. Okay, I'll be 37 in a couple weeks. So we're about the same age. Uh-huh, we are. Yeah. Yeah. I would never do my early 20s again. What do you think? Um, I think I've 20s were fun ish. They were fun. <laughs> fun ish. Yeah. You know, you're young. You, you don't you think you know life. You don't you don't have anything figured out. Really? You're kind of learning. I mean, you, you're forever learning as you're every day. You're, alive, you're, you're learning. But I for me, my 30s, I I figured out who I was as a person, I think. Mm-hmm. My 20s, I was still living in the shadow of what my parents taught me. Ooh, that's a good one. I think a lot of people listening can relate to that. Yeah. So yeah. it wasn't it wasn't in my it wasn't until my thirties that I got to really kind of discover what it was that Ashley wanted, who Ashley was as a person, what Ashley um liked, even sexually. I didn't really I started on my whole sexual journey to figure out what it is I liked and wanted when I was 30. So I've been doing so eight years. I've been, I've been eight years. I've been living a life of kind of like sexual freedom and just trying all the things that I wanted to try prior to 30. I mean, I was having sex, but it was more so of, I, I wouldn't open up certain things. I was, I was afraid. Like, I don't know about that. You know, how, how, um, what's going to happen? How people, people going to view me stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, totally understandable. I saw you're an advocate for PrEP, um, HIV screening and prevention. So can we talk about that? Yeah. So for those of you who, who don't know, PrEP is a um, HIV prevention medication. It's similar. I equate it to like birth control. You get on birth control because you don't want to have babies. You get on PrEP because you don't want to acquire HIV. That's, mm-hmm. that's what it is. It's a medication that prevents you from contracting HIV if you happen to come in contact with someone who is HIV positive. Uh, so for me, um, it was important for me to be on it, to talk about it. You know, it's, uh, I don't feel like I can advocate for something that I'm not on myself. It's easy to tell people, I think you should try this, but you haven't done it. So how, you know, how, <laughs> you know, what, mm-hmm. how great of an advocate can you be? Um, so now they're trying to, pharmaceutical companies are trying to, they're trying to push PrEP, because PrEP's been around for a long time, so let's start, it's not new, um, but mm-hmm. it's been previously marketed towards gay men. Mm-hmm. So gay men have been on PrEP for 20 years. So now they're, tr- they're now marketing towards um, cis women. Hmm. That's, that's, that's a but new thing. What uh, demographic is at most risk for acquiring HIV at this time? Black cis women. That's what I thought. So that really probably relates to your advocacy for it. Mm-hmm. Because right, your peers are very at risk. Right. Statistically. Okay. And, and, and particularly, and particularly because I live in Atlanta and, 11, and Atlanta is number five, it's, it's in the top, um, top five in the country of HIV cases. Um, hmm. So I live in a city that is um, very high risk, for lack of better words. So mm-hmm. it, it was very important for me to uh, to try to to help other people 
who look like me. And the best way I felt, mm-hmm. the best way to do that was to be on it myself. Mm. Wonderful. Okay. Wow. That just kind of blew me away. I'm like, I don't really know. I, yeah, I don't even know anything else uh, to compare to that. Do you, can we talk about any side effects you experience? I had a doctor tell me that it can be a little indigestion inducing or tummy irritating. So I've been on, so there's two types. There's two types of prep. You have the daily oral pill, like a broker control pill. And then you have the injection kind of like Depo. So I've been on both. I'm currently on the injection. So when I was on the daily oral pill, uh, side effects I had were like headaches. I would have headaches. Um, and that was pretty much the the extent of the side effects. Okay. Um, I I quit taking the daily oral pill because, one, I used to forget sometimes to take it. Because even like, because I'm on birth control as well. But I'm on the birth mm. control. I have the um, Exponon, the implant that's in my arm. Because I, mm-hmm. I, remember, I remember years and years ago, I was on uh, the birth control, birth control pills. And I kept forgetting. I'm like, I'm going to fuck around and be a mama. So let me um, mm-hmm. do something. That yeah, the pills are hard to remember. They are. And, you have a, and you're supposed to take them around the same time every day. Yeah, I was like, no, let me, this is not for me. So the same thing with mm-hmm. the, the oral prep, it just wasn't for me trying to take it the same time, around the same time, every day. Yeah, it just wasn't, it, it just wasn't a thing. So for mm-hmm. me, I like the injection better because you go to a doctor's office, you get an injection in your butt, and I don't have to worry <laughs> about it every day. So. Okay, that's great. How long does that last? Sorry if I missed that. Um, No, so you, I go get an injection every two months. Okay. Okay. You know, the things we do to be single and having sex, honestly. Really? Like, like the, the steps and the responsibility. People do not understand how much, like, just, I don't know, grown behavior and, like, awareness it takes to be, like, sexually responsible. And I think that's why some people refuse or they can't participate in it. But we're here to help. Yeah, a lot. Like, I tell people all the time, like, um, I was talking to my friend, actually, the other day, and we were talking about, like, STDs. You know, I... I've had an STD. I've had more than one, right? Um, and it just kind of comes with the territory if you're fucking raw. Um, it either mm-hmm. fucking raw, you're gonna either have a baby or you're gonna have an STD mm-hmm. if you keep doing it long enough. One of the two is going to occur. Um, it's mm-hmm. kind of like a, the casualty of war um, <laughs> or sports, right? Injuries, yeah. Um, so just kind of what happens if you're going to go about doing doing having sex without protection? Um, but honestly. HIV is like the boogeyman. No one really cares about chlamydia and gonorrhea and syphilis because you can go to the clinic and get a a, a set of appeals for that and it be and it's gone in a week, right? No one really cares mm-hmm. um, unless it's like severely advanced yeah. for years and years and yeah, years, yeah. which could develop many problems. Right. So again, this is why we're in favor of screening, right? Yeah, so, yeah. Um, but typically, no one cares about chlamydia and gonorrhea, right? Um, the STD um, rates are on the rise. We know that it was like a couple months ago in Texas. I think they had like the most uh, uh, syphilis rise. Really, it was like a hundred and sixty percent. It was. It was. Uh, wow. Yeah, it was extremely high numbers in Texas. Oh. Um, but that. But we know that people aren't using condoms. People are not using condoms. We know that mm-hmm. um, because the STD rates are so high. Um, well, and, and Texas closed so many clinics in the last decade. Where the hell would people go to get screenings? Well, that's true, too. Yeah. I, I don't. Have you been to Texas? Mm-hmm. 
Okay, I do not like Texas. My sister lives there. It was a it was a hell for me. <laughs> Good thing I love my family, but um uh you know, it seems really rough out there. Fuck. Okay, and it's probably because I mean, COVID well, besides the the years of government action against sex education, but COVID, we were inside, we were isolated. A lot of us, maybe not so many people in Texas actually took COVID seriously. Um, but still it's like things did reopen or we've been encouraged to go out again, some of us. So now people are fucking more than they were and they have less information, especially people who came of age during COVID. It's lasted like three years now. Yeah, and, and now COVID is um, coming, it's on a rise again. They're telling people to, I know here, it's a college here in Atlanta and they reinstated mm. the max mandate because they had a lot of COVID cases on campus just when no school started back last week, I think it was. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Fuck. School starts tomorrow over here in Portland. So yeah, shit, that's going to be a thing again. Okay. Time to get my booster. Thank you for the reminder. Yeah. So yeah, a lot of uh, COVID is on the rise, but I think COVID is something that's going to be with us like the flu. It's just going to be a thing that's going to be around. Right. I don't think it's going to be. Right. Right. And you said something earlier about how nobody really cares about chlamydia, gonorrhea, syphilis. So I like hearing that because that makes me think about the people in your circles don't care. There's definitely still plenty of people that would feel like it's the absolute worst thing that ever happened to them if they got one of these bacterial STIs, but Mm -hmm. it's not. I've had chlamydia too, and it's when I was fucking five people without condoms. So there you go, right? What you said. So, um, but what I think is interesting is like, I've had a couple people uh, on the internet accuse me of STI shaming when I talked about how we can prevent things. Because they said, well, shouldn't you be so okay with getting an STI that it's not a big deal? And I'm like, yeah, but I still don't want to get one. Right. I don't want to. like time and money. Right. Yeah. My pussy itches. Like, I don't like it. But HIV is one that can actually lead to early death or other severe complications. So, What were they saying? So I made a meme about how I want to have sex and the fear of STIs sometimes prevents me from doing things I want to do okay. because even if you do use barriers and screening, you know, nothing's perfect right. and you still might acquire something. And so someone was like, well, that's STI shaming. People get on my nerves. Huh? Because <laughs> who, who wants an STI? Like I, 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 I've had some, like I've had chlamydia mm-hmm. and other things before, but I, you know, I didn't say, oh my God, I cannot wait to start having sex so I can get chlamydia. Like, who wants chlamydia? Like, no one wants I want that anal wart again. Right. Like, who wants that? Who who, who wants gonorrhea? No one. Like, it, we, we get these things because of, the, uh, you know, because it, is, it's a, it happens, but no one is trying to sign up for it. Right. I don't want the flu either. No. Or COVID. Correct. Right. I don't want that either. <laughs> All right. So I asked my Instagram followers to tell me an anonymous confession. So I thought I would read and you could react. Okay. Confessional time. Someone says, I got chlamydia from my first gangbang. <laughs> <laughs> I want to have a gangbang. <laughs> Someone says, my husband is the least experienced sexual partner I've had, and it drives me nuts. You know, I, I wonder, can pause, pause for a second. Please. Yes. I often wonder about people who tell me these things, like, why did you get married? Correct. That's, that's really what I want to ask. And sometimes I do ask. And of course, the answer always goes back to 
qualities that people tell us we should we need in a husband, which are he's a great financial provider, you know, he, he's a great dad, mm-hmm. stuff like that. Um, mm-hmm. And but I really think that the problem is women are not taught that sex is also important in a marriage. Uh, in in addition to him being a good provider, because that's important, right? But sex is also important. So we go into it. Well, he he um he has the the money that we're looking for, stability that we're looking for, and then we just kind of exclude the sex part. And then you're married and having sex for the a thousandth time, and you're like, oh yeah, this is not gonna work. <laughs> hmm. Hmm. Yeah, that's a special kind of purgatory, I think, is being in relationship with someone that you're either not attracted to or not compatible with. And this is why, number one, people should always be able to choose who they marry, which a lot of people still are compelled by their family or their churches, like, let's be honest, or their social circles. Um, you guys seem like a great match, whatever. I see that shit. Um And then also people shouldn't perhaps expect the sex to be good, but this is what happens when you're raised in abstinence culture. You said people should not expect sex to be good? Right. Well, what I see in a lot of purity culture or church culture is like, oh, when you find the one, it will be great. It's been ordained by God. You two were made for each other. But that, that, no. But if you have no experience, either of you, sex can be very painful and awkward and have no communication between people because they were never shown how to. Correct. Right. Yeah. People assume that just because, um, like I, 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 I grew up in a church, so I, I grew up in that whole purity culture. Um, mm-hmm. but I do not, um, advocate for the notion of no sex before marriage. I think that's dumb. Um, because if I'm going to spend my life with someone, I need to know all the things about them including Mm -hmm. what they, how their sex is. If you want me to just, but but you know what though? I was talking to, um, I I was talking to Shan about this. I I think what that boils down to is it boils. Shan booty. Uh huh. It boils down to men don't, they want us to remain ignorant. Right. So if I've only had, if you're my only sex partner, I don't really have anything to compare you to. Yes, yes, I know that this is not like wowing me, but I really don't know what I'm missing because I Mm. don't have anything compared to and I don't have any point of reference to how terrible you are. Mm -hmm. I've heard from older women who have gone through, you know, like a life cycle or several where they divorce or leave the husband and they're in their 50s, 60s. And I don't know if you've heard this too, but they're like, oh, I had my first orgasm uh-huh. and I cried because I realized what I'd been missing all those years. Uh-huh. And that's really, that's really why, what I think the whole notion of no sex before marriage or this whole thing about women having like a lower body count is all rooted in men not wanting us. Ignorance is bliss, right? They do not want us to be smart and real and, and have a point of comparison because then we're going to require mm. you to do better and then we're going to require mm. and they don't want that yep yep so just remember you know young ladies if you're listening i know some of you are uh 
if he's an older man, it doesn't mean you're cool because he's interested in you because he's a cool older man. It means there might be something wrong with him, like he's emotionally stunted or he wants you to be ignorant. I'm sorry. That sounds harsh. I've been it's through this true. many times. It's true. Yeah. I was talking to one of my friends mm-hmm. the other day about this thing, about that too. And I was like, it's, it's a different story if you are a person, a man or a woman and you just so happen to fall in love with someone who has happens to be significantly younger than you. It just happenstance. Okay, fine. But if you mm-hmm. go out and uh, intentionally date people significantly younger than you on purpose all the time, habitually, there is something wrong with you. Like, why are you not, why don't you not feel connected or why do you not feel um, you have something in common with someone who is around your age and you feel, and you feel you need to date someone who is 20 years your senior all of the time. What are you trying mm-hmm. to do? Mm-hmm. Exactly. So this is the Ask Us Anything episode, Sex Educator Edition. We're talking to Ashley Cobb, uh, Sex with Ashley out of Atlanta, Georgia. Find her, if you haven't already, on Instagram, Sex with Ashley. We'll be right back. If you're wondering what that necklace vibrator is that you see me in photos or going on about on social media or in podcasts, visit theytalksex.com. You'll see a banner in the top right. Free custom engraving, now waterproof. That's the Vesper Design Vibrator Necklace by Love Crave. They're really strong, surprisingly, for how sleek they are. And it is a fave, so no code needed. Just click the banner, visit theytalksex.com. Welcome back to They Talk Sex podcast. Find us now on Podorama. We are on Spotify and Apple and theytalksex.com. Leave us a nice review or a four or five star rating, whatever it is. We appreciate you. I actually gave a couple lap dances to podcast listeners last night at my stripper shift in downtown Portland, Oregon. So don't be shy. I I love engaging with the general public about this work. That can be very fun. So if you're feeling switchy or you just want to tell me what you like about the show or what you'd like to hear, then come on down. I'm at X or Kit Kat Club. And you can find my schedule on my Instagram at stripperwriter. So let's do listener questions. Okay, Ashley Cobb and I are taking your questions now. These were sourced from Instagram. So listener question one. How regularly should I be getting screened for STIs or HIV? I'm a woman who fucks mostly men, and I'm usually in long-term relationships for a couple years, and I might have a threesome with a homegirl every once in a while. So my rule of thumb is you should get screened for STIs before every new sex partner or after the, after you mm-hmm. have sex with someone new. Um, however that is, however mm-hmm. often that is, um, if you have if you have a consistent sex party, I mean mm-hmm. not party, a consistent sex partner, the rule of thumb is like every six months. That's what they say, um, but I tell people after every new sexual encounter, you should be getting screened. But that way, so it pops up, you know, who to, mm-hmm. you know, who to contact. You might have a, a better idea. Um, yeah, that's what I do. You said at the end of every relationship or before a new one. Um, yeah. 
I do that. And if I was particularly active or doing maybe something potentially risky for transmission of certain things, uh, I will do the at least six weeks again after because, you know, sometimes it takes a while for things to show. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So and it can be a pain because I've definitely had clinic or Planned Parenthood workers ask me why I'm here again. And I either say I'm non-monogamous or I say I'm a sex worker. And that's a choice, by the way. That's not something a lot of people can say, but I have enough safety and privilege to say that and then just see how they react. So that's that can be a fun game. And they also have they also have at home uh, STD kits. That yeah, you can do at home. They test for chlamydia, I think gonorrhea. I know, I know you have the um the at home HIV kits, but they also have STD kits. If you Google some, um, everywhere is one of them. One of them, somebody sent me one like a while ago mm. to, to actually like put on my Instagram. I haven't done it yet, but if you Google, <laughs> there mm-hmm. there's at home STD kits that you can just buy yourself. And that way you can do it. You do it and you ship it off. I see. Yeah. Everlywell.com. It says chlamydia, gonorrhea, hepatitis C, HIV, syphilis, dot, dot, dot. So probably more. And there's a, and there's a whole bunch of these. So if you can like, you can just, again, you just, um, some of them are blood drawn. Some of them are swabs and you just put your stuff, you just put it back into the little container and you ship it off and you can do it that way. That way you don't, some people, some people don't like going to, um the doctor which i understand because sometimes you know you, my cousin works there or you know my neighbor and mm. you know and even though people are not supposed to spread your business we know that that they do so, yes <laughs> so doing, yeah doing at home is also a good option uh, yeah good reminder mm-hmm. okay so listener question two do you have any tips on balancing needs when your partner has a different libido at different times think I understand the question so we're talking about mismatched arousal right so like miss like or I'm yeah so I'm guessing someone wants it more often than someone else um so typically what I tell people is so one self-love is your friend Mm. your your partner does not have to fulfill all of your sexual needs That's, that's the first thing um, mm-hmm. so, so if you get some of that satisfied through self-love, you can do that. And then two, maybe try scheduling it. So for example, and come to a happy medium. So let's say my partner wants to have sex every day of the week. <laughs> and oh I, God, I don't have the time. I, I wish. I but... but I know, I know men, some men, uh, who want to like, they want to fuck every day, like every day. Mm-hmm. And I mm-hmm. actually just don't have it. I don't have everyday pussy. I just don't. <laughs> like, I just don't it's quality, it. not quantity. Right? Okay. I don't have it. Um, so, you know, I can give you a good three, four, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> good three, four, I can't mm-hmm. give you seven. So, mm-hmm. you know, we come to a happy medium. So, and, and, and sometimes you might have to like put it on a calendar. I know putting sex on the calendar is, is hella unsexy, but it's effective, right? So we know that, let's see, Monday, Wednesday, Friday, and maybe Saturday are our days to get it on. So he knows that, uh, or she or he knows that there will be getting sex on at least three to four days out the week. Now, the mm-hmm. other days, you, you fend for yourself. 
<laughs> however, however that works for you guys. Mm-hmm. I like scheduling sex. I'm such a planner anyway, because I honestly feel like I can make it more of a sometimes a ritual. Like if it's so I see mine once a week. OK, my person lives two hours away. Okay. So, yeah. So when I see him, I'm like really hoping we can have sex. And I will be quite honest. Actually, I was telling a friend this last night. If I'm on my period and I don't like period sex for myself um, or if I'm having an oral herpes outbreak. Uh-huh. Um, or a yeasty, you know, something's going on. I cry sometimes because I want to fuck him so bad. Right. <laughs> and it's, you know, it's how I like heal and release and feel close and like reset myself. So anyway, scheduled sex can for some people be, I think, really healing. We just got to remind ourselves like you can make your own rules and do whatever you want as long as you're both happy with it. Yeah. And then, por- you know, porn like. This is why if you don't want to have sex with your partner as much as they want to have sex with you, they still have that sexual energy. Watch porn by yourself, you know, leave. You're not bugging your partner. You can masturbate on your own time. You said self-love. Yeah, I, I think a lot of people feel like their partners are supposed to fulfill all of their sexual needs. And I just I just don't think that I think they're supposed to feel, you know, a lot of them, majority of them but I don't think they're supposed to fulfill all of them. And y'all can figure the other Mm -hmm. part out how you wish. Some people, you know, may have open relationships. Some people, they they decide on a happy medium. Like, okay, for example, maybe we don't have physical penetrative sex, but maybe, you know, Mm -hmm. uh, we'll masturbate together or we'll Mm -hmm. watch porn together or or something, something sexual but it's not like the whole full blown, mm-hmm. you know, sexual act. Mm-hmm. Yeah, totally. Yeah. Petting or a nice HJ right. in the shower. I like silicone lube. Right. Also, my partner's dealt with a lot of disability due to surgery and injury and health issues. So there's times where he's like, no, I literally can't fuck you. My back is out or I dislocated my shoulder. And so I've had to be really adaptive too. And, uh, yeah, I think it just really comes down to how open both of you are to try stuff and communicate and um, yeah. invest in each other. Yeah. Okay. So listener question three, porn, how do I ethically consume within the limits of capitalism? Oof, tricky. Um, so there's websites um, that pay, that are, that, that are ethical porn sites. So for starters, what is... Um, it's 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 a lady I on Instagram that I follow, and maybe you might know her name. Um, Ooh, oh God! You know, honestly, most of my friends make their own porn, so it could just be like so many people. Um, there was Ersties. Honestly, I just make my own porn at this point. Um, I don't really consume it as much as I did for the last ten or fifteen years of my life, but. I can say buying directly from the performer and that can look like emailing them, asking them how you can purchase their content directly so that they get the most of the money. I literally love when people ask me that. And if that's too complicated, they probably have their pay sites and the pay site takes 20 to 40% depending on what we agreed to for them to host us. Erica Lust. Um, there you go. She creates, she's a, um, director she creates porn oh, right yeah she's been around for a long time yeah yeah and i know she has a site and then i know 
Bella, Bella, Bella has a site, I think, that's um, ethical porn. So it's a lot of, if you type in ethical porn, there is a lot of them. And then also like OnlyFans. Mm-hmm. OnlyFans is, they're getting paid um, from the performer. So you think OnlyFans too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, if if they have an OnlyFans and they're promoting it, then that's where to go. But if they say, hey, ask me otherwise somewhere else, then do that. Do not go to X videos or X hamster for the love of God and all that is holy. Those are all stolen. FYI. I've never been to X hamster. I didn't know that was a a site. Yeah. Well, don't go there. I had a a client, a sexting client, video chat client. We like masturbate together. Um, Mm -hmm. And I asked him, we were playing truth or dare. And I was like, what's the last um, porn clip you watched that you really liked? send me the link so he sends me the link and i'm just like no it's an x videos one (laughs) i took everything in me to not be like hey don't you shouldn't watch on there because that would have definitely ruined his interaction right the money i do know that um what is the Pornhub? like i i so Pornhub is interesting because uh a lot of stuff on there is stolen by i do know people who have Pornhub have Pornhub accounts that they actually get paid for the stuff they post. Want to clarify? Pornhub used to have stolen content when it started, but they okay. don't. Yeah, they haven't done that in years, and they're actually some of the most stringent in requirements. You'll be happy to hear. Um, I have okay. yeah, I have three videos on Pornhub. I don't try to monetize it. I just don't have the energy to work that hard. It's, you know, maybe I will someday. Um, but what it is, so some people like Pornhub because even if they're not making money with the views on that site they can advertise to their website where people can support them in all kinds of ways so i'm actually pro Pornhub now but like everything else it's gone through an evolution and i think all of their leadership is or not all but most of it is women and very sex positive um they're pro decrim they're pro queer rights um so i'm i'm interested to see what happens uh with them but it's better than it used to be. I'm okay with Pornhub for the record. Okay. Yeah. Okay. That's good. Yeah. Um, what's interesting, so this is kind of funny on, then we'll move on, but um, sometimes content, stolen content ends up on that website because people literally don't think about asking the other person they filmed with. And I saw this in mm-hmm. action. A um, content creator on Twitter was saying, I don't understand why they took my videos down with me and my ex. And people were like, well, did he sign the verification form and the application and do the W-9 and the social security number? And she's like, no. Like, well, then he's not a verified. No wonder they took it down. Some people are just, they don't really think. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So not all stolen porn is malicious, I guess, is the, is the nice thing. Um, okay. Listener question four. I snagged this from your page because I also thought your answer was hilarious and I'd love to share it in the show. How should I prepare for anal sex when my partner is really big? Uh, don't. <laughs> <laughs> like that that is that's that's my answer always because anal sex it's just certain things that are not made for big penises. And and my belief, and this is just my personal belief, my belief is that anal sex is one of them, right? Like because anal sex you have to prepare anyway. You have to prepare your mind, heart, and soul. Um, mm. <laughs> and I just feel like it's a lot easier to do with the average to smaller penis. Yes. A, a 10 inch, 11, 12 inch penis uh, trying to 
trying to penetrate anally. It just it's just not a good time. And I don't I just don't understand why people, you know, put themselves through that on purpose. You can really hurt yourself. You can really hurt yourself. Um, you it's, can. It's and not it's just, a pussy. And I and I know like I know there's videos of people who like fisting through the anally, and I think again. They're not, they don't have a booty hole like mine. So I watch those and I'm like, okay, yeah, we're, we are definitely built differently. <laughs> um, um, but yeah, I just say don't. Like, yeah. just, just don't. Yeah, if, you, if you're scared about it, then y- you're going to be tense. And a happy butthole is a relaxed butthole. So okay. as someone who has had anal orgasms, I've had probably the range of, if I'm being like absolutely clinical and dry, the range of like three and a half to eight inch dicks in my ass. Okay. When erect, <laughs> um, I will say bigger was not better for me because again, there's averages and some people are power bottoms and size Queens. And I respect you. My hat is off to you. I can do double vag. I'm struggling to fit one in my ass. <laughs> Correct. And, and I, I've had, so I remember one of my best orgasms came from a anal penetration. And I don't even remember, the sad part is, I don't remember the dude's, like, <laughs> what, what size he was. But I know he wasn't big. Okay. Um, he had to be, like, average. Okay. But he also, he also knew how to, like, do it in a way that was... Um, where it was like enjoyable. A lot of people, what I have found too, I've tried anal with multiple people, but I found that a lot of people from my experience um, don't really know how to perform anal so that it is pleasurable. They just want to like poke. So average size, he knew how to use his penis or what did you said that he knew how to make it enjoyable? Pleasurable. He, he knew how to yeah. make it pleasurable. Now, yeah. I, don't, I don't think a lot of people know how to do that. So is there any way you could describe like how, because I had really good fortune with (laughs) fortune. I had a good outcome when one of my partners was behind me and we knew this is something we were about to do. And he told me, you can just back up on me and I'll stay still. And that made me feel really safe. So um, ironically enough, the, 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 the person I'm talking about in the situation, it was from the back as well. It was <laughs> it was from the back. Um, I was kind of like in a um, in a, a child's pose for people who mm. do yoga, mm-hmm. and his hands were all like more stimulating my breasts, and mm. that's yeah. He, he kind of gently just entered, and he, it, it wasn't like a I'm going to enter all of it. It was kind of like slow and steady. Mm. And, that, and it was a great time. Take notes, people. <laughs> yeah, no time. Uh, yeah. Okay. So, listener question five: My penis is four inches long. What are the best things I can do so I can satisfy a woman in bed with my small size? So Smaller. It's a, so it's a misconception that small penises are not pleasurable, and that is a myth. Um, mm-hmm. because they are now. People have preferences. So there's some people who like 10 inches, some people who prefer a smaller one. So it kind of depends on the person, but you can still satisfy mm-hmm. someone with a, with a four inch penis. Um, you just have to know what positions to use. So typically, positions like doggy style, um, mm-hmm. positions where you're like facing your partner, missionary, uh, positions like where they're on top are the best positions to get the 
full thrust and you can like feel the, the full filling of the penis those are the best conditions for that mm-hmm. um the problem comes in is when people don't really know what position works best for their dick and so now trying to mm. do porn moves and this is not working right well i think once mm-hmm. you know what works for your for what you have i think it's, it could be a very pleasurable experience Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, definitely. My response would be use your hand. Well, what everyone should be doing. Don't be lazy because you've got a big schlong. Too many guys with big schlongs are lazy because they relied on them, but use your hands, use your mouth, use your nose to nuzzle, use your nose to rub against their clit. I mean, like use your entire body. Your whole body can be a genital. Yeah, you can like, and also like hands work wonders. I told people someone the other day, I said, your hands, your fingers are the sex toys that you're born with, right? Mm. And they can do, they can enhance the sexual experience, especially like when you're like giving head, use your hands, use your fingers. Um, mm-hmm. I don't think you have to do all of this like deep throating. I mean, yeah, yeah you can, but it's, <laughs> but it's not necessary for him to have an enjoyable experience. Mm-hmm. I think, you know, if you've ever seen those, those self-report surveys where it's women being asked the frequency of them having either orgasms or sexually satisfying events and lesbians have the highest outcome for orgasm. And one of the reasons could be because, yeah, they're using their sex toy hands. They're not relying on their penises. (laughs) Right. Okay. So we're going to take another break. This is the Ask Us Anything episode, Sex Educator Edition with Ashley Cobb. Find her at Sex with Ashley on Instagram. Email her Ashley at sexwithashley.com. Find my behind the scenes subscriber page. It's journals, pictures, what I'm doing that I don't post on social media. Patreon.com forward slash strange bedfellows. It's L here with a juicy secret. You have so many options for your relationship structure. Best-selling author, New York Times, and NPR contributor Dr. Jolie Hamilton is the expert who helps people custom design relationships to get more of what they want. Dr. Jolie's highly coveted program, The Year of Opening, is for people who are ready for more. To join the waitlist and get first dibs on a one-to-one call with Dr. Jolie at no charge, sign up for free now at theyearofopening.com. Welcome back to They Talk Sex Podcast. Thank you to our lovely sponsors. And you can find me on Twitter at L Stanger. So Ashley Cobb and I are going to discuss an article called The Rise of Sex Negative Feminism Among Young Black Women. I want to be specific. This isn't uh, specific to young black women. I see this in young white women as well. Uh, Women of all kinds of uh, orientations as well. Uh, even because I see queers saying stuff that can be not very often, but I do see some queers saying stuff that's sex negative. And I think it's because they're frustrated, um, rightfully so, about a lot of things. But okay, so this was written by Hannah Uguru on Refinery 29, May of this year, 2023. She says there is a growing subculture of young women and girls who identify as sex negative feminists seen on Twitter and TikTok. They express candidly negative views 
on phenomena deemed the offshoots of male-centric and hypersexualized society, such as porn and hookup culture. So uh, this stands at odds, she says, with the sex-positive legacy of the mainly millennial-heralded 2010s, which paved the way for slut pride and a heightened consciousness of kink and BDSM within the mainstream. So there's generational differences. And I do see this as a late 30s person. And I think I think this is part of a backlash where in the 90s or the aughts, women were told you can have it all, you know, girl power, like fuck who you want. But we weren't raised to know how to communicate. So when people had bad outcomes, they get frustrated or they feel that sex positivity didn't work for them. What right. do you think? Right. I, I, I think that... So I, I think we overcorrected. I think our generation overcorrected. We, we, what our parents and our mothers were doing, we didn't want to do that. And so we went all the way left, right? Mm, <laughs> like, mm-hmm. We're going to go all the way left. And we, we just kind of, we kind of, you know, overcorrected. And so some parts of it, we kind of got right. And there's some parts we did not get right. Um, so... Um, I can see, I can see uh, where this whole, you said, what it's a, what's it called? What kind of feminist is it? Sex negative feminism? Sex negative feminism, mm-hmm, which is not. And so what the, so, so <laughs> if you're a sex negative feminism, so what do you believe? Do you believe that you shouldn't have sex? What do you, what should you be doing? Right. It's an oxymoron, right? Yeah. So that, yeah. Are, so are they going back into the, the, the days of our grandmothers and like well you just you don't have sex to marriage like what are their what are their core beliefs i'm curious so they're further to be explained so they refer to a 21 year old jamaican american uh lesbian sex worker who explains how she sees this in a anti-sex work Uh uh realm and so then the, art, the article says the roots of sex negativity as an organized feminist ideal can be traced back to the works of white second wave scholars like Andrea Dworkin and Catherine McKinnon. So Andrea Dworkin died, but she was the person who said that basically all penetrative sex is rape of women. Oh, wow. Oh, awful, awful bird. She's probably very traumatized, but she did a lot of harm. Uh-huh. And Catherine McKinnon is still alive, and she is a scholar who writes about how OnlyFans is a pimp, which OnlyFans can be problematic because it's a platform and they can be greedy because they're run by CEOs who aren't doing the sex work. But a lot of sex workers love OnlyFans, and it was the only way they could survive through COVID. Um, and we shouldn't have platforms shut down. They should be made better. So... What they're wrong about, though, in this article is that the roots of sex negativity was not just starting with Andrea Dworkin in the 70s and Catherine McKinnon, you know, till now. But I mean, even at the turn of the century, I just learned that Portland, where I live, the first police chief in America, uh, Lola Baldwin was her name. She didn't think women should be drinking with men, smoking with men, dancing. She tried to shut down dance halls, uh, card reading places. Um she criminalized women having social equality with men because she truly believed that they wouldn't be there if given the choice and that someone must be coercing them too. Uh-huh. So we still base a lot of our ideals now about how we criminalize sex work. Like, oh, they wouldn't be working prostitution if someone wasn't forcing them to. But the pimp is capitalism. 
Or if there is a pimp, we could better address the person working being exploited by not criminalizing consensual work. So it's on purpose to control people and how they work or use their sex. Mm-hmm. <sighs> yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm going to look this up because today is the first, first uh, time I'm hearing this term. So once we're done with this podcast, I am going to look this up because now I'm curious. I didn't know that that was a thing. Yeah, it's it's scary. You know, there was a lady I followed on Instagram and she started posting how she's really frustrated that she's getting so many really explicit porn like pop ups from content creators on Instagram. And I totally get that. I'm irritated, too, but for different reasons. Um, Yeah. And she's just like doubling down on the sex negativity because I think she just doesn't want to see it. And I just want to see it in appropriate context. But, but, my, but who is she following? though? Because I don't see porn online. <laughs> like, who are you following? <laughs> because <laughs> like, because instagram goes based off of what you like and that's what oh they, funny and that's, that's true. what they put into your algorithm so i don't see porn or porn adjacent content and i am a sex educator okay so i don't mm. see that on my news feed so what are what are you liking ma'am <laughs> uh, all right so let's move on to a different piece of writing to discuss this is on artnews.com so Maya Critchlow's provocative portraits of nude black women test perceptions of female sexuality. This was written by a person named Barry Schwabsky, July of 2023. So she's a young black painter. Mm-hmm. I really encourage people to Google her if you haven't already. I'll put the name in the episode notes. This piece says her fantasy portraits of young bare-breasted black women are not exactly neutral subjects. He says they test viewers' visceral feelings about female sexuality, blackness, and what happens when they intersect. Uh, Things can get uneasy. So Samaya Critchlow once told an interviewer that, quote, with femininity, you can't get it right. So some people have feelings about the fact that it's nude women. And so it's the argument of who is this for, the male gaze or the female gaze? It's a woman who painted this, a black woman. Oh, okay. I see her. She's on. She's on Instagram too. Oh, nice. Oh, and and people are complaining about these. Yeah. Interesting. Uh, and and what is the issue with them? <laughs> the issue is, is it? I guess is it okay for a black woman to paint sexy black women? portraits of black women and is it for the male gaze consumer or who is it for i would buy these right because they are they are artwork that is showing like the beauty of a woman a woman like it shows like because first of all women are sexy as fuck let's just start there (laughs) And no matter what size, you know, we're just sexy, where our hips, our breasts, all that, like we're sexy. So this is just, these are just portraits of women in the nude uh, mm-hmm. showing appreciation for the female body. It's for anybody who wants to see a nude woman. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, yes, I, I think these would be beautiful in um, a therapy office that I worked in where we were actively trying to help the sex workers who are coming feel empowered and more comfortable and more healed in their sexuality i want one i think right well looks like the prices are probably going up all the time (laughs) 
good luck to her, this young artist. So Samaya Critchlow, look her up. Yeah. Okay. So what is next for your work, Ashley? I think I might've asked you that. It sounds like you can do whatever the heck you want. Yeah, pretty much. Um, I would like to, you know, write a book hopefully in the next couple years. Um, but that's pretty much it. Um, I don't really, uh, you know, I would love, I would love to be able to be like the black Sue Johansson and have a TV show. Like that's, that's really what I'm trying to That'd be good. I would watch that. You're funny. Yeah, that's what I'm, that's what I'm trying to build my career towards. But other than that, awesome. that's 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 a, that's it. That's it. What would your book be about? Uh, it would be sex advice for millennial women. Nice. Okay. What is your most? I've started asking guests this. What do you think is your most radical worldview? Fuck before you get feelings. Fuck before feelings. That's that is that is. <laughs> Because it's and and I and I stand by that because it's hard once you have feelings, it is hard sometimes to back away if the sex is terrible, right? Before before the feelings come, you can objectively um uh mm. you can objectively decide if this if the sex that you're having is good or bad, right? Without any type of biases or any type of love or whatever it is it's really hard to do that when you love like someone Mm -hmm. I do that yeah no I like doing that now because it's like if I don't like the way you smell after you come or the face you make when you do or the way you touch me if you going down on me actually puts me off then like I don't want to keep doing this (laughs) it's like thanks for the fun time take care you know like maybe get coffee or something yeah (laughs) right yeah all right. So lastly, besides all the ones you just gave, do you have any sex tips for our audience? Um, if you are a someone who identifies as a woman, um, my sex tip would be that your pleasure matters and you should make sure that you should be having orgasms every time you have sex. Mm. All right. Well, you heard it here. Thanks, everybody, for listening to the Ask Us Anything episode, Sex Educator Edition with Ashley Cobb. I look forward to seeing you on Instagram. And uh, yeah, folks, reach out with thoughts, feedback, questions, or tips to theytalksex at protonmail.com. Until next time. Woo!